Today's episode of Recovery Survey is fueled by Brainwash Coffee Company. I'm sure you've heard that drug and alcohol use is on the rise, especially during the pandemic. And Brainwash Coffee Company is working to raise money and awareness to support people seeking help. They donate 50% of their profits and their mission is to give back to the amazing recovery community. Their why is bold and their coffee is fresh. So if you want to sip on an amazing brew that warms your mind, body, and soul, then visit brainwashcoffeeco.com and use promo code recovery survey at checkout to get $5 off your first order. Brainwash Coffee Company, simple coffee for complicated people. You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. What started the shame was what my mother had said, we won't talk about this again. And we never did. I mean, it never was discussed again. It was a secret. And you know, secrets keep us sick. And so that was kind of what propelled me down this other path. And I didn't identify at the time that the reason I'm feeling some kind of way is because I'm living against all of my principles. My guest today is named Carrie Polero. She's an empowerment and lifestyle coach who supports women in breaking through the shame and ineffective self-worth stories that hold them back. Welcome to the show, Carrie. I'm Carrie Polero. I'm an emotional well-being coach for women. And I support women to break through shame and ineffective self-belief stories that are holding them back from living the life that they really desire. Welcome, Carrie. So glad to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me and making time for me. Absolutely. I'm so excited to hear your story. We were talking a little bit before we started recording, and I'm just so excited. You said you have six years, so there's got to be a story there. So if you wouldn't mind just taking us back to, to your active use and then maybe telling us about how you got to where you are today. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I remember, um, when, when I was young, uh, my parents got divorced and in that, in that moment of being a child, I mean, I'm able to reflect now and look at this. Um, I didn't feel like I was good enough for whatever reason. And so that just started that, um, that vicious cycle of always feeling that you need to prove your worth, like throughout your entire life. And, um, I was always like seeking approval of men. And I remember, um, like when I, from the ages of like six to 12, I was, I was molested by like a boy in our neighborhood. And, um, I can, I can look back now and I see where that began, like that began my opinion of men. And that allowed me to like associate, um, like sex with love. And so when I turned 14, I ended up getting pregnant and my mother, um, had told me, you know, we're, you're going to have an abortion. And, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what to think. I, I wasn't able to use my voice, but I was a child. So it was like, I went along with what they told me to do. And, um, shortly after that, that feeling that not so good feeling, um, and it was worse now than the, the not good enough. It was something's wrong with you now. Like you're tainted. Um, and, you know, I go back to also like my family was very religious 
and religious beliefs were, you know, you don't have sex before marriage and no man will want you. And they put all these, these belief systems in our head. Right. And so we're kind of programmed as children, um, you know, as programmed with all of these things going on. So I kept thinking that I was bad and the shame set in. And, you know, at that point, I didn't want to feel shame. And I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't identify it, but I I knew I didn't like the feeling. So I started using, um, at the age of 14 and it slowly progressed like through high school. And I never saw it as a problem because I got good grades. I played sports. Um, you know, I was, uh, I had college scholarships for sports. So it was like, I never really saw the magnitude of it because, I thought I was functional, but and I look back now, I can see the behaviors. Um, I became like very uh, promiscuous. And um, as I continued to get older, the using just progressed to where it was, you know, harder drugs. And um, to the point where, you know, I, you know, I remember being in my 20s and um, I was, I was married and I came home one day and, um, there was a note on the wall, everything in the apartment was gone. And there was a note on the wall from my husband at the time that basically said, Hey, I'm out. And you have two weeks to get out because the electricity is going to be turned off. And I'm like, Oh, I guess we're doing bad. Like I didn't even know because I was so high all the time and I never came home. So like, what would I expect? But it was like, I didn't know any better. Um, And so, you know, I continued, um, I continued my life, living my life like that. And another thing that occurred was because I had an abortion at 14 um, and I was never offered therapy. In fact, um, what started the shame was what my mother had said, we won't talk about this again. And we never did. I mean, it never was discussed again. It was a secret and you know, secrets keep us sick. And so that was kind of what propelled me down this other path. Um, And what I also learned from that is that abortion was birth control. And that's how I lived my life was abortion was birth control. And um, so I continued that cycle um, of having abortions over and over again to the point that I experienced this shame. um, And it just kept building because every time I did it, I kept it a secret because I was ashamed and I continued these secrets. And then I kept using because I didn't want to feel this way. And I couldn't, I didn't identify at the time that the reason I'm feeling some kind of way is because I'm living against all of my principles. And, um, it was like, at that point, I didn't know that I even had any principles. I ended up getting divorced and ended up getting remarried again. And, You know, and that one was actually entertaining because I remember we were out one night drinking and it was like, hey, you want to go get married tomorrow? Sure. What about you? And so we got married. Like, I can't make that shit up. I did like I did the most insane things. Um, So, yeah. And we were married for five years. And, um, you know, it's like the shame just continued to get bigger and bigger. Um. I remember um, I had a miscarriage because of all the abortions. Um, I had a miscarriage and I went to the doctor and um, the doctor shared with me, you know, um, you're probably not going to be able to have children because of the damage you've done to your body. And, um, and by the way, you know, you test positive for herpes. And um, I was like, 
oh, okay. Like what, like, what do I do with that? You know, um, now I'm, my life is fucking over. Like I'm devastated. Um, so what do I do? Go out and use more. Right. Um, and you know, now I have to go home and share this information with my husband and, um, you know, and it, it wasn't received very well, but, um, you know, it, it taught me, it really taught me a lesson as far as, you know, I, I look back now, I just take the learning from it that, um, you know, all of my choices were, have consequences and, um, and by never addressing them and running, cause I was a runner, I ran from everything. And then that was why I used, I would just run and use and run and use and, um, and never facing any of my issues head on. And because I never faced them, the shame just grew and grew and grew, um, until finally, um, I had been, I had gotten in a new relationship and, um, and what do we do? You know, like the first two weeks I'm in this relationship, I move in with a guy because that's what we do. At least that's what I do. <laughs> and so um, I'm living with him. And about, I think a month into it, he was, he said, listen, I don't care where you go, but you got to get the fuck out of here. Like you cannot stay here at all. And, um, and I was kind of like, what, like, what do you mean? But immediately I, my, my mind goes into what can I do? What can I do to change his mind? Because I want to manipulate because that's what I do. That's what I'm good at. That's what I know. And so I, um, I said, you know, I think I might have a problem because I had nowhere to go at this point. Like I had exhausted everything. Um, everybody knew that I was an addict before I did. I'm always the last to know because I'm, I'm in denial and I don't want to look at me. Um, I'm always avoiding, I'm always running. If I'm always running, I'm, I'm never looking at me. And so, um, he, um, I told him I had a problem and he said, okay, well, he took me to a meeting. He looked it up online and the best was he, he looked it up online and he's like, oh, look, there's this little quiz you can take. <laughs> like, like, what is this? And so I started, he's like, let's take this quiz. And it's, I'm taking this quiz. He's like, oh, you, you really need to go. We'll, we'll go. To, I'll take you to this meeting. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to show him that I do not belong here because um, when I thought of addict, I thought of homeless, um, living on the street, eating out of dumpsters, shooting up with, uh, shooting up with needles. And that wasn't my, um, that wasn't my story. That's not where I came from. Um, and not recognizing what an addict really was or what they really look like. And so I remember going to this meeting and there was such a variety of people there and I was in shock. Like there's, doctors and lawyers and you know there's yeah you you have some crazy looking people too but it is what it is it's like such a variety um and I was terrified to be in there um and so I, I'm thinking man we're gonna get out of here and he is gonna apologize to me I am so sorry I made you go do this <sighs> we can look we can figure out something else and so um after the meeting uh we get in the car and he goes Oh my God, you fucking belong there. I'm bringing you back tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, like, are you kidding me? This totally like blew up in my face, but, um, it was, you know, I'm so glad that I went back, you know, and, uh, I I'm there 
after for like three months and I'm bartending at this strip club too. So I'm like, I'm still doing the people, places and things that I'm not, you know, that I'm not supposed to be doing, um, not even correlating because I want to control everything and I want to do shit my way. And so for the first three months, I tried to work Carrie's program and, um, yeah, it didn't work out so well. I, I remember sitting in a meeting and I said, uh, I was listening to somebody share and he said, you know, some of you think you can come in here and uh, get recovery by osmosis, but you have to do the work. And he went through the list of like um, 90 meetings in 90 days and um, getting a sponsor and calling people and all the things. And for whatever reason, I heard him that day and um, I had been bartending and I had still been drinking. And um, I was going to get my 90-day key tag that day. And I decided that, you know what? Because um, in my head, I was going, this program fucking sucks. I've been in here for 90 days and nothing is different. I'm not even looking at the fact that I'm not doing what they tell me to do. Um, and so in that moment, I was like, oh, I'm not doing anything that he's mentioning. Maybe I should try it. What do I have to lose at this point? I'm already miserable. So I, I mean, like, what do I have to lose? So. I decided to go ahead and get a sponsor and start, you know, doing some work. And boy, did that make a difference. It completely shifted everything. It was, it was like, I finally was able to release all of the shit that was holding me back that I didn't even know was there. I didn't know that I was supposed to feel my feelings. I never was taught any of that. And my house, we were taught, we don't, we don't address feelings. We don't feel feelings. That's why I always ran. I was like, what I felt, I always thought feelings were weak. I was never taught that feelings aren't good or bad. They just are. And you get to feel them and it's okay. And you get to process everything that you've gone through. And so it was like a process of going through and, um, you know, addressing all of the things. And, um, you know, like now um, my life has shifted in so many different ways. It's um, now I'm coaching women um, I'm an emotional well-being coach for women. I'm helping them break through shame because, oh my God, if I can fucking break through it, so can you. I mean, it, the shame was just tremendous there. Um, you know, and it's been, it's been such a powerful, powerful journey. Um, I'm so, I'm so grateful because the program really did save my life. There's no telling what would have happened to me if I had continued, you know, along that path. Um, yeah, I get to work with women every day. It's like every day I wake up and I get to like, I love what I do. It's so it's exciting to see people like come through to the other side and understand, um, you know, hey, we've done some shit in our past and it's okay. It's in the past. It can't affect us today. Like, but, but what matters is what do we do today? What am I doing for my future? How am I going to show up today that is going to pivot my life in such a way that I completely shift and change and I'm and I can manifest all of all of everything that I've wanted, like all of my dreams. Like they say, lost of dreams reawaken. You know, and that's so fucking true. I so believe that 100 percent because it's happened for me. I love that point that you made there a few minutes ago where you were talking about basically just the stigma that surrounds addiction because I came in with that same mindset of like, I never shot dope. I was never homeless. Like I had all these things in my mind where I was disqualifying myself as an addict. 
you know, and, it, and, and yep. there, I've heard it in the rooms and it, and it totally makes sense. They always say yet, you know, if I'd stayed out there much longer, I probably would have shot dope. If I didn't have help from my family, I would have been homeless. You know, there's all these things where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, so I justify my using and, and what my life looked like when I got there and saying, I'm not an addict, but at the same time, I, I, you know, I know today that I am, I know today what, what addiction is, you know, I have, I've, I've, I've educated myself through the program on what it looks like to be an addict. So I love that you brought up that point and, and that's kind of the whole point of the podcast. You know, it doesn't matter what we look like. It doesn't matter what our background is like anybody can suffer from addiction, you know? And, and I talk about a variety of different, of, of, of different addictions, you know, whether it's drugs, alcohol, gambling, sex, pornography, food, you know, whatever it is, like if it's causing, if it's ca- if your life is unmanageable because of yep. that, you know, you, you, you could, you might be an addict. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it um, it's, it, it's been a, po- it's a powerful experience because you're in this like hopeless state of mind. And I like, I remember before, like before I went into the meeting and before he, he, my boyfriend at the time had suggested I go, I remember waking up a couple of like for a few days in a row and I was going, fuck. I I have to use every day. I'm going to have to do this every day for the rest of my life. Or I, I, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to function. Like, how do I do this every day? Like I, at that point I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, but I couldn't yet identify it. It was because I still, um, it still was masking the feelings and it was filling the void temporarily, but it was, I was on that path of, I know that I don't want to continue to do this, but I don't have the balls to stop because I don't know how. Yeah, I can, I can totally relate to that too. You know, just being at that, like you said, being at that point of being sick and tired, but, but I was at that point of like hopelessness and desperation where I didn't, I didn't know what else to do. You know, I didn't know what mm-hmm. the solution was. It was like, I don't want to be in in this situation that I'm in, I don't really want to try anything else because it's uncomfortable. And, you know, I have like that fear of change. It's just like, I want out, but I don't know what to do. Oh, and no, it absolutely. That's exactly where I was. Like I want out, but I don't know what to do. And so since I don't know what to do, I'm just going to sit here because this is comfortable and I know what I'm going to get. And that's kind of like the story of my life. It's like, I continue to do all of these things and progress. And then I get into a spot where I'm comfortable and I'm like, oop, let me just sit here for a minute. And it's never a minute. I'm here for a fucking long time until I light my ass on fire and I move forward. Because there's always that fear present, especially. Um, I mean, and I don't know if you identify with this, but you know, from you know, being an addict, I was so afraid of my fucking shadow. Like I was afraid of everything. There was a point where I wouldn't even go to the grocery store by myself. I was terrified to talk to people. I couldn't people. <laughs> oh yeah, I totally totally relate to that and and even even in recovery I find myself doing the same thing. I'll get I'll get stagnant in my step work. I'll finish a step and then I'll just, you know, my life is good right now. My life is easy. Things are going, you know, things are going well, so I'm just going to like chill here for a minute, like take a little break and then it's like, oh man, it's been 6 months since I've done step work or it's been a uh, 2 weeks since I called my sponsor and I'm like oh man like I'm getting into that complacency I find like that rut that that comfortable spot and like I just I want to stay there Yes you know and for me what it what it is today is I get to look and and say okay um I need to get comfortable I don't need to I get to get uncomfortable I get, I get to be comfortable at being uncomfortable 
And that's how I know I'm moving forward is when I'm in a constant state of uncomfortability, you know, or discomfort. I'm just like, I know I'm moving forward and I just keep going, even though I'm fucking terrified because facing the fear is how I'm going to get to the other side. And the fear is just a fucking illusion in my mind. It's all bullshit. It doesn't even exist. It's a story that I write and I can marry the story and keep myself stuck or I can go, fuck you. I'm divorcing you. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. I'd, lo- I'd love to hear a little bit more about, about the the services that you offer for women and what, what kind of, uh, what kind of things that you do? Um, cause you, you touched on it briefly there, but I'd, I'd love just to expand on that and kind of, kind of hear more about that. Well, um, a lot, actually like a lot of my clients come to me, um, some are in recovery and some are not. And, um, it's, they come to me for, um, they're feeling stuck in some area of their life and they're kind of blocked and they don't really recognize it. And because, you know, we have these blinders on where we get so focused on what we're looking at that we can't, we can't really see. And, um, you know, a lot of it is, I, you know, I know we, we go through the 12 steps and, um, but what I have found for myself was I had to do a little bit of additional work. It wasn't just the 12 steps. I mean, the 12 steps are amazing and it prepared me for doing the additional work of um, practicing um, self-love, building my self-worth, my self-confidence, learning how to show up for my life every day in a way that's going to catapult me to the next level rather than paralyzing myself in fear, because that's all I knew and that's all I was used to. And so um, what I like to do with my clients is, you know, we take a look at the stories, the programming that we've had throughout childhood, because that's a lot of what it is. And we start to unravel the stories that we've written because we have years of stories that we've written. We should all be fiction writers and we get to go back and look at, well, what doesn't serve me? What, what serves me and what doesn't serve me so that I can create new beliefs? Because the whole thing is the belief exists because I wrote a story. And so if I want to change the belief, all I have to do is write a new story. It's so it's that simple. And then, and then adopt a new way of being. And um, it's so simple that of course we want to complicate it and, you know, think that that can't possibly be it. But, you know, if I really want to look back at it, it's like every event that happens in my life is really neutral. I'm the one that gives it meaning and I can give it a positive meaning or a negative meaning. And, you know, every, and I keep going back to that. Every event is neutral. It's not good or bad. It, the way, it's the way that I perceive it. And then I make it good or bad. And then I live my life based on that. And that's so fascinating. If I can do that, I'm fucking powerful. That means I can go change that shit anytime I want. And that it's believing that I can do that is the piece. That's the key to, um, that's what I teach my clients. Because <laughs> we are, we are all, um, we're all source. We can all manifest and um, we are so powerful. There's nothing that we cannot do. And when you really step into that power, it's like the most amazing shit can happen in our life. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're kind of getting towards the end and there's a question I always like to ask the guests and that's what's one inspirational thing that was told to you, whether it be like a famous quote or just like a conversation you have with a friend or family member, like what was one thing that that you heard that really changed your life or changed your perspective or outlook. Don't believe everything you think. Mm. 
That was so powerful for me because I get lost in my stories. Those thoughts that go through my head. Yeah. I, I can just run away with them and all the bullshit. Don't believe everything you think. That was the most powerful thing. Wow. That's great. That is a great quote. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, would you mind telling the listeners uh, if they're interested in your services or interested in following along in your journey, where's the best place to find you? Do you have a website, social media platforms? Uh, where, where can they find you? Absolutely. Um, I'm, I am on Instagram at Carrie Polaro and that's C-A-R-R-I-E-P-U-L-L-A-R-O. Um, they can also find me at my website at CarriePolaro.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate how vulnerable you were and and sharing some of those tough moments from your childhood and just being so open and sharing that with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate you taking the time with me today. Absolutely. Carrie, it was an absolute pleasure talking with you today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. If you're interested in any of Carrie's services, her links will be in the show notes. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.